Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. I'm joined today by Thomas Nelson, Jordan Coughlin, Barrett Fisher, and uh, we all just preached a sermon series called Pursuing Church Health through the book of Titus. And so, fellas, thanks for leading the church family through Titus. I had a, had a lot of fun. I, I feel like I learned a lot from, from each of you. And I also think, you know, how wonderful is it that the Lord has gifted our church family with men like you who can preach the word. You're excellent in so many ways, but you also preach well. And so I think that is a gift that our church has. So thank you guys. Happy to do it. Absolutely. It's yeah. a burden you carry. It's a burden you carry. As a pastor. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Well, um, well, guys, we're doing a uh, talk back on the whole series uh, today. And so we've got all of the preachers of the series here. And uh, we're just going to share a few thoughts on, you know, why we think this is an important series for our church right now. Um, Barrett hit on some of those things yesterday, uh, but we'll kind of dive back into that. We hope to also kind of peel back the the uh, onion a little bit on how we've structured ourselves. Like, obviously, we as a church mm. submit to uh, Titus and, and First Timothy and the pastoral epistles mm. for how we uh, attempt to organize ourselves uh, because we believe there's a lot of protection within that. And so we'll hopefully talk a little bit about that. But um, anyways, why is this an important series for a mm. church right now? Well, we're in this incredibly unique time of the church where we have rapidly grown. We just bought a building. We just bought it. Yeah. Building possessors. Um, and, you know, the church is in this natural inflection point. You know, there's there's a lot of studies done on, you know, the different inflection points for churches. And one of them is a significant one is from kind of church plant to more established church, you know, and mm -hmm. a lot of that's based just upon the size, the amount of members you have. So we're in this unique time on multiple fronts, right? Not to mention COVID and, you know, just all that we've been through mm -hmm. in the past year and a half, just small thing. So I, I am so grateful that we went through this book because, you know, to answer your question, why is it important? I think that all of us reference the fact that even if you start a healthy church, it does not guarantee it continuing to be healthy. Mm, yeah. It does not guarantee its success. It does not guarantee that it's going to survive. And, and so we're, you know, it, it we, we should uh, be purposeful and intentional to think about these things now, yeah. um, lest we, you know, make a right turn without even realizing. Yeah. I think it's such a good reminder. And, and I think, that's the heart behind why we titled the series Pursuing Church Health. You know, we're big fans of Nine Marks Ministries here, right? So, I mean, we believe there's a lot of health represented in in that. But you know what, Barrett? Hmm. Once you have the Nine Marks, that doesn't mean you're going to keep them forever or that you're going to exercise them faithfully uh, forever. And so there, there's, there's yeah. this idea as a church that you're always pursuing health, right? Increased health, protecting the church so that she 
can continue to grow in a healthy way. And mm-hmm. so that's a good reminder, Jordan. What else, guys? Barrett, you mentioned some churches yesterday struggling. Yeah, you know, I, I, it is interesting. I mean, there's um, just some longstanding faithful churches that have been around uh, for for year for decades, and um, have just come to these point where there there seems to be division in the church. And we're, we're we are not looking at those with a judgmental eye or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just simply acknowledging what we're hearing that, you know, there's division in the church and, and it's, I, I think it's threatening the health of these churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is exactly what I think Paul is getting at in his letter to Titus, that, um, there is, there is division that will come. Um, and, and I, I mean, I think we see that, you know, these guys in, in chapter one, verse 10 and 11 and chapter three, verse 10 and 11, that these, there's going to be these dividers that are in the church um, and so it's, it's worth Christ's covenant now talking about the time to talk about the dividers is not when the dividers <laughs> are there, are, yeah, are apparent, they're evident, they're evident. And winning, yeah. the time Influence. to talk about division and dividers is now when, when you're, you're at a, you're at a good stage, you know, there's maybe not these obvious dividers that are, that are evident, uh, but we need to talk about it now and we need to, we need to put up those fences now, uh, to know, you know, how, how to deal with those and how, how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, guys, what were some of the impressions that you took away from, um, the sermon series? Obviously like in, and I know the the folks know that we, we as men who stand up and preach from time to time, still need to grow <laughs> in our sanctification yeah. and our understanding That's of right. what the yeah. Lord um, uh, has for us and, and yeah. who he is. And Jordan, I feel like you said that so beautifully yesterday. Like the reason we keep coming back is because God is, is bigger than our, than mm-hmm. our thoughts of him. Mm-hmm. Right. We, mm-hmm. we need to, we need new vision and new glimpse mm-hmm. at, at, um, at who he is. Yeah. Uh, but what did the Lord teach y'all through um, the sermon series? Yeah, I man, I can, I can point to two things. When, <laughs> whenever, as a pastor, you preach on the qualifications for a pastor. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, there is some level of conviction, and I certainly, certainly mm. felt that in in preaching that passage in particular. Uh, so that's that's one. But then, two, I was just reminded, and I, I I love that all of us highlighted this: the foundation of the gospel that informs everything that we do as a Christian, and. And the book of Titus is this beautiful picture of Paul keeps going back to like what is most important, what serves as the foundation for the good works that we do, for how to live wise, godly lives, um, how to even, you know, condemn Mm -hmm. and, you know, rebuke false teachers. It's all founded on the on the gospel. And I, I. it at the risk of being overly simplistic you know we talk about being a gospel-centered church you know all about the gospel but you see it functioning in you know these first churches uh you know the spirit comes pentecost happens churches are being built and established and the the foundation the bedrock Mm -hmm. that paul seeks to establish churches with is is the gospel. And I just, I love, you know, his, his two descriptions of the gospel in chapter two and then chapter three, yeah. um, because mm-hmm. it, it, it communicates that progression, right? The grace of God has appeared 
and now it's teaching and training us. Uh, you know, verse chapter three, three through seven, we ourselves were once this, now we're this, so we get to be devoted to good works. You know, so that that's mm -hmm. it. And and Barrett, I appreciated how you, you know, talked about the pitfalls. You mm -hmm. know, that even even if we understand that, even if we believe that, um, we still run the risk of assuming it. And then we fall into these pitfalls, particularly related to good works. And the solution is not just do more, you know, just just load yourself up. It's to go back to the gospel as far as what what is actually the foundation? What's the motivation for why we actually do these things? Mm -hmm. um, so I was I was uh, reminded of that each each message um, throughout this series. I was reminded of the wisdom that is all throughout this book applicable for uh, our modern churches. I, I really think Titus is an interesting book. I think it could be viewed as an instruction manual, but I, I think Paul's intent was beyond instruction manual and almost a book of wisdom type literature. Hmm. He's certainly giving instruction, set up elders, rebuke these people when they, uh, when they get out of line and attack primary issues of doctrine or theology. But so much of it is wisdom poised where, hey, it's wise to set up these leaders and mm -hmm. these leaders are going to shepherd the people within the church. It's wise that you think about what is your cultural setting? How does the gospel of Jesus Christ impact that cultural setting and how do you instruct your people? That's that sound doctrine. Uh, it's wise to always go back to the foundation for all of this is not so that you have a nice, neat, tidy church. The foundation for all of this is because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the life that he gives us. And that is what we are offering to the rest of the world. So we don't want that light to be tarnished or hidden in any way. Mm -hmm. And then it is wise to live your faith out and do that through good works. It just seems like Paul is really encouraging Timothy or Timothy. I've wanted to call him Timothy the whole time. Why? <laughs> Timothy, Why? Titus. Uh, Titus. He's encouraging Titus definitely with what we could look at as, okay, here's the set of instructions. But I think there's this real heart of wisdom behind the whole book where he's saying, this is a young guy with a young church. Things are exciting and they're happening. He doesn't just need a whole bunch of lists. He needs some wisdom, mm -hmm. some godly encouragement in here's how here's how your church ought to be founded and shepherded and led and portrayed to the community. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. I think the um, just the whole paradigm of the letter is instructive, right? I mean, it comes from a man who is pouring his life into a younger man. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see yeah. that all throughout. And I yeah. think, you know, certainly that's part of what it means to be um, a Christian disciple maker and, and, and a person who's willing to give of his life. I mean, think about the difficulty of, of even writing this letter in that yeah. day. You know, yeah. this was not just sending an email, mm -hmm. that kind of effort. This is like an expensive process. This is a difficult process. Mm -hmm. um, takes time. And Paul, we see him pouring himself out for the sake of Titus here. Mm, yeah. We see it in, in Timothy. We see it, Paul, to the churches. And so I think there is something paradigmatic there for all Christians. Um, who is, you know, the question is this, like, who are you pouring into? Mm. You know, who are you encouraging along the way in the mm -hmm. faith so that they may finish well? 
Hmm. That's right. It's a question we need to ask. Yeah. To that, to that point and a couple other things that you guys have said, um, it, to me, I, I didn't use this language yesterday, but it, it seems like what Paul is instructing Titus to do is to, is to go around and, and obviously to put what remained into order. But the result of that is these churches that are on mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't get, I, you know, the old phrase was like a holy huddle, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. that you just stay internal. And I think that's where I think that's where churches start to get off when when a church goes from being on mission to having all this internal focus. Um, mm-hmm. And so we are, you know we are to meet needs within the church. We are to meet needs outside the church. Uh, and, and, and so there's this, there's this constant looking to, as we worship the Lord and as we're, as we're gathering each week to, to worship, there's also this, this constant sending out and this constant disciple making, I think, you know, what you're talking about. I mean, Paul pouring into Titus, you get the older women that are instructed to pour into the younger women. And, and there's this constant, pouring out this constant sending out. So it's a, it's a church on mission. And I would just say maybe a relevant word for, for Christ's covenant, you know, as, as we just purchased this, uh, uh, this building, um, you know, there might be the tendency to have somewhat of that internal focus. You know, we've got the building campaign and we've got all, you know, got to, um, encourage giving to pay off the building and things like that. So there could, we could get to the point where we do this internal focus, but I, I love how Jason has put it. And Blake, I think I've heard you say it too, that, you know, this building is, is for ministry. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna increase our ability to do ministry both in armor yards and in the city of Atlanta and beyond. And so I, I think we need to maintain that proper focus. Mm -hmm. It's a tool for ministry. Right. Yeah. We, we made, actually, we, we made an intentional decision early on, like even in the capital campaign, to not call it a building. Mm-hmm. We call it a ministry facility. You go back to all of our, like, nice. printouts. Like, our prayer was this would be a ministry facility, not mm-hmm. just a building. Huh. Like, it facilitates ministry. You Love know, it. it's a place where we will, from which we will do uh, ministry. Mm-hmm. One of the other impressions, and of course it came in the passage that I taught early on, of course. right? Spent a lot of time on it. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, Paul's heart as he's explaining this uh, responsibility that he's been given by God, the word that he uses there is entrusted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we as leaders, by God's grace mm-hmm. in his sovereignty and because of the people of our church, we're like, we do this vocationally, which is an amazing gift. Um, it, it's awesome. It, it's it's an entrustment, right? It, it's a stewardship uh, that that we have, and, and it's really easy, I think, especially in like a church. Like you think, you know, let's just be real, real. Like we've been working hard at this church plant. It's easy to think, oh wow, look what we've done here. We started three and a half, coming up four years in September, and. Look what we've built. And, and it could be very easy to forget that this is something that God has entrusted to us. That's right. right? I mean, this is, this is a responsibility that we don't get to do what we want with it, right? We, we don't have mm-hmm. the luxury or the prerogative to make this about anything other than what God has designed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah. just a reminder. And I love yeah. like Paul's heart there. This is Paul the Apostle. Like think about how much 
he was used by God um, to give shape to the early church. We are still benefiting from it um, to this day, but like he still had this posture of, uh, this is but a gift that God has entrusted to me. Well, that's such a good word. And, and I think it's applicable to all of us. So, you know, member, leader, whatever, you know, we, we have been entrusted with the gospel, right? We've been, mm-hmm. we, we are called to be stewards of this, this gospel message. But then also, you know, you, you as a member have been entrusted with this church. And, and I think, you know, we, we have talked, you know, internally a lot about just the challenges you see in different churches, particularly now. And I think a lot of the, the generation of those challenges is from this, this belief that this church is really kind of for me, like, and, and it's this kind of institution unto itself. And, and I, I just think it's, it's instructive that as I think of myself, not as a leader of the church, but as a member of Christ's covenant, recognizing I've been entrusted with this precious local body of believers that, that God has created, right? God has created his family. He's building it. And so I want to do everything in my power to build it up. Mm-hmm. I want to do everything in my power to showcase the, the, the power of the gospel, the unifying power of the gospel, the transformational power of the gospel. Um, and I, I just wonder, like, if all of us really grasp that, uh, if conflict and, you know, division would go away, mm. right? Because yep. we are all, we're all after a greater vision than just ourselves. Mm. And I think, you know, that certainly can happen with, with the leaders in the church, but I think it, it happens absolutely. with members too, yeah, right? Where be, the, this is more about me and my vision for the church rather than, man, we have been entrusted with something precious and, and we need the spirit of God to help us. But we want to build a church that doesn't just last a generation, but last multiple generations. Mm-hmm. How am I thinking through, how can I give this to my kids one day that's right and say we we tried to be faithful with this and and we're giving it to you Mm -hmm. hopefully as a healthy church like that that should compel us i think um as as members of the church Mm. uh to to pursue yeah so so on that note i mean you guys mentioned a couple of times the word steward and and in the book of titus the word steward is is directly applied to elders and so i don't know if this is a good segue or whatever into elders but just just wanted to uh, you were asking like what we've learned from the book of titus and one thing that i think needs to be pointed out is just the importance of godly selfless humble church leadership and and i think that's uh, what what Paul is saying, like put into place, appoint these elders, and it's going to be so key so that we can leave this to our kids one day and to their kids one day, uh, because we have this kind of uh, the this these elders that are put in place that truly see themselves as stewards mm-hmm. of of what God has entrusted to us. And they're just so important, so important to keep that fence out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think the tendency in a lot of churches uh that in my experience is that the elders kind of get put in place because they they meet the elder qualifications so you kind of meet the qualifications and then it's like okay well you're you're qualified to be an elder and then it be and then it seems to become something different kind of a oftentimes a top down oftentimes a board of directors kind of feel but 
it's it's really not what scripture is saying about elders that they're there to protect the teaching of sound doctrine in the church they're to protect from these dividers in the church and uh, really uh, that's why i oftentimes like to use the biblical word shepherd because i think it really conveys mm-hmm. what an elder is supposed to do to shepherd the flock and sometimes that that is you know pulling a rod out and using a rod at times and and but at other times it's just it's protecting the flock and making sure that the flock has what they are needed uh what they need so i i'm encouraged as kind of a new guy on the staff here to to come into a church that i feel like has healthy church mm-hmm. leadership right now and just a, a a group of elders that are are very respectable but uh, also display, you know, humble, godly leadership. Yeah. No, I mean, our elders are incredible men. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's an honor to serve alongside of them. Um, and, and it has been interesting to see, you know, the Lord bring so many qualified men who des- who desire to do this and who the church has affirmed to do this, um, carry this burden <laughs> so early mm. on. Um, in the life of our church. Um, but as long as we have healthy elders, I think, you know, there's protection and, and we will likely have a healthy church. So like we need the church family to engage in, in what it means to nominate, affirm prayerfully men to, to serve in that role, you know, and, and there's some other like nitty gritty kind of things, Barrett, that I think are important for, um, our church family, if you're listening to this, you may or may not know this, but our bylaws actually require that we have more lay elders than staff elders. Mm-hmm. And so we will, mm-hmm. you know, by bylaw function, you know, we will always have, we'll always be a church of the, led by the people in that regard. And obviously there's a first among equals and obviously the church is gracious to hire staff to do the work of ministry because we believe that's a more effective way to accomplish the goal. Um, that God has for us here, but we'll always have more lay elders than staff elders. And, um, people might also be surprised like at our elders meetings, like I can get voted down. I'm one among now the 17 men, Jason, I I've seen him. We've documented it in the minutes. He's made recommendations. He's been voted down by the broader uh, elders. And I think there's just, there's collective wisdom, um, in, that kind of model that we have. So hopefully the Lord will continue to, to protect us through that. Um, when I love how Titus and I, I, I tried to draw this out a little bit in my message, he talks about both example and authority. He talks about both, uh, let's say influence and directives, you know, that, that the, it's not enough to your point, Barrett, it's not enough to just have elders who live godly lives worthy of example of which that is vitally important right right? but that's one component of the other side of it their other responsibility is this is this leadership is this protection um but you can't have that without the other right so i i'd love that you know in the bible (laughs) imagine this that the bible gives us wise you know guidance right um but we we've been given God's word of here's here's what a good faithful leader looks like. Mm-hmm. It's a life worthy of example, and it's a leadership that seeks to protect and shepherd this this precious yeah. congregation of which they are one. Yeah, which kind of like you know we live in a day where like people's platforms can grow beyond 
just the speakers in the room, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you can, you know, grow, you, you build big buildings and like you grow your platform that way, but now you can like put content on the internet and you can draw a crowd. I, I think as I look at the new Testament, a man's like platform for telling you what God is saying. Think about that. You're trusting men to tell you what God is saying mm. to help protect you. Mm. Their platform is their character. Mm. It's not their communication skills. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's important that we be about developing godly Christian character in our own lives, helping others to do the same as, as Paul certainly did with Titus and Paul certainly did with Timothy. But we also need to be careful who we listen to. Mm-hmm. Do they are they men of proving character? Can you know that? Um, and I think there's a ton of protection when we allow character to be the grid. Yeah, I think you're completely right on that. It's so easy to do a quick Google search uh, from a Christian perspective and get 10 different voices speaking to you. You don't know anything about them. And you can adjust your life. And sometimes it's right. Sometimes those guys are, are godly and they're it's, absolutely it's great, but you don't always know. And I think that's one of the beauties of being in the local church and knowing and submitting to that church leadership, being able to ask questions and meet with people one on one. And I think we have a highly relational uh, emphasis at our church, which is which is really appealing. Um, there's a lot of transparency. There's, as you've, as you've said a second ago, Blake, there's not uh, a whole bunch of yes men that just sit around and say, okay, let me just sign off on whatever the leadership, paid staff leadership wants to get done. Uh, I think that character that you refer to, though, ultimately comes back to not just self-willed discipline of I'm going to live out these traits of I have my quiet time and, um, you know, I don't. I don't cuss and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I'm super disciplined and, and look, my family's all lined up in a row. I think it comes back to, does that person love Jesus? Mm -hmm. Like what's their, what's their relationship with the Lord? What's he yeah. done in their life? And d do I see the fingerprint of God on them? Do I see the handprint mm -hmm. of God on them? Like that's, I think that's what we're looking for. And Paul describes to Titus here, a real meekness, that strength under control. Um, these men that are set up to lead the church, they're godly. Um, they're leading their, their family. Well, they're going to lead these churches well, but they're also not afraid of conflict. Mm -hmm. They're not looking for conflict, but they're going to, as you said, a second ago, Barrett, they're going to shepherd mm -hmm. that flock really well, and they're going to look for the wolves. And if the wolf comes, they're going to go after that wolf. Uh, but it all goes back to a deep, love and walk with God through Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what we want to, at the end of our days, when we wash up on the shores of heaven, I think the hope for all of us is that folks will say they knew the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's the hope. And I think that's, that's the hope of what we want the church to say, man, that our church has a bunch of people that know the Lord and I want to be around them so that I can know him better too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Well, guys, um, I really appreciate y'all. As I said at the beginning, um, sharing God's word, 
studying, preparing. Jordan, tell me about that real quick as we close out. What about studying and preparing? Jordan literally Let's, had a day and a half's notice because we had a, had a fellow less, brother go sick. Less time to study and prepare than normal. Ideally, how much time would you like to spend in a sermon? 15 to 20 hours, I yeah, would say. 15 to 20 hours. Yeah. Barrett, what are you? Are you, are you more efficient than that? Uh, no, I would more efficient meaning less time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. No, I wouldn't say less time than that. I'm not either. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm at yeah. I feel like it's a 15 to 20 mm. hour thing, depending on how focused you can be and like what the passage yes. is. Yes, no, that that's very true. Tom, it's it's really hard to quantify because yeah. there's that study time, there's that prayer time, there's that writing time. But then it just starts to permeate and mm -hmm. everywhere you go, it seems like you're leaving a trail of sermon material and you're gathering more information and it's, yeah. it's a little bit hard to quantify. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's mm. good. But man, it's, yeah, it's such a joy. It's a, it's a joyful labor. Oh yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't envy Jason having to do it almost yeah. every Sunday. There's a reason, <laughs> right. many reasons why I'm not a lead pastor. That's one of them. But, um, I just want to say, you know, coming away from Titus, I'm super encouraged just at the fruit that's being born in Christ's covenant mm -hmm. um, in the form of faithful leaders, you know, that God has provided. Uh, Lord, help us to continue to be faithful leaders. Yeah. But then also, you know, this you see in Titus 2, this multi-generational discipleship. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, that's happening, which mm -hmm. is which is amazing. And, you know, Lord, help us continue uh, to to do that for yeah. the glory of God. What a good word. Mm -hmm. All right. On that, for Thomas Nelson, Jordan Coughlin, and Barrett Fisher, I'm Blake Rogers. Thanks for listening.